history is much like an old bookshelf, teeming with tales, both known, each story a well-etched memory on the annals of time. Yet, among these countless tales, some remain evergreen, their lessons and characters so profound that they continue to captivate the imagination in the pages of history. Names and places fade, but emotions, love, betrayal, hope, remorse remain as vivid as ever. Good night, dear listeners. Welcome to another episode of Sleepy Voyages. One such tale weaves a fabric of passion. It arises not from a fairy tale, castle, or a distant land, but from the heart of 17th century Boston, a town where cobblestone streets echoed with secrets and the shadows whispered stories of love and treachery. Before we tuck you in tonight, voyages of the night sky, we have a small but crucial request. As your eyelids grow heavy and the soothing tones of sleepy voyages guide you to the realm of dreams, remember the peace, serenity, and comfort that we bring to you every night just as a lighthouse guides lost ships. In the darkness, your reviews help other restless dreamers find their way to us. By leaving a review and sharing your thoughts on your experience, you are reaching out to other insomniacs lost in the night guiding them towards restful sleep. Take a moment before you drift away to click on the leave. A review button on your podcast app help us extend our galaxy of tranquility to all those who seek the solace of sound sleep and once you've done that, feel free to slip back under the covers of our sleep stories, ready to be whisked away on another sleepy voyage. Remember, your stars light the way for others. Every review, every rating helps us create a bigger, more beautiful universe of peace and rest. Boston in the 17th century was a place of stark contrasts. The air carried both the scent nestled on the shores of Massachusetts. This city thrived under puritanical beliefs. Every brick of every building bore witness to tales of ambition, survival, and occasional whispers of forbidden love. In its heart stood the town square, a place of communal gathering where joys and judgments were shared alike. It was a time when the lines between right and wrong, sin and redemption, were etched firmly with little room for transgression. Yet it's within this very rigidity that our tale finds its roots. A story of a woman, a letter 
and a town bound by its own moral code, the city of Boston, under a sky painted with hues of grey, finds itself slowly awakening. A biting chill lingers in the air, wrapping itself around the cobblestone streets and the wooden shingles of homes and establishments, shutters are carefully unlatched, allowing the faint morning light to pierce the dimly lit rooms of the townsfolk. With every gust of wind, there's a gentle rustle of dried autumn leaves, creating a harmonious background to the muffled footsteps of early risers. From the chimneys, a gentle curl of smoke rises, hinting at the fires that burn brightly inside homes, offering warmth to their inhabitants. Narrow pathways, which at noon would bustle with activity, now echo the soft clangs of blacksmiths and the distant hum of merchants preparing their stalls. On one particular street, the scent of freshly baked bread fills the air, enticing those passing by to momentarily forget the call. Yet, even amidst this quaint ambiance, there's an underlying tension, a palpable energy that's hard to miss. It seems as if the entire town, with bated breath, awaits a spectacle, an event that's far from the mundane routine of their daily lives. And as the clock tower, standing tall and resolute, chimes the hour, a subtle shift occurs. The heart of the city, the town square, starts to draw people in like a magnet. Each individual converging towards a singular point of interest, it's clear that this isn't just any ordinary morning in Boston, for today something profound will unfold, and it will leave an indelible mark on the hearts and minds of all who witness it. The town square, usually a bustling hub of trade and chatter took on a different hue that morning. Wagon wheels were still as traders paused, their usual cadence replaced by an atmosphere thick with expectancy. Huddled groups whispered amongst themselves, their breath visible in the cold air, each one a testament to the weight of the upcoming event. The grey cobblestone streets, often alive with the sounds of hooves and laughter, now echoed with only the faintest murmurs, almost as if the town itself was holding its breath. Every eye was fixed on the prison's heavy wooden door, a door that had seen countless souls enter, but never with such a captive audience outside. Mothers clutched their children closer, both for warmth and perhaps to shield them from the anticipated spectacle. Men, usually stoic, shifted uneasily on their feet, their faces betraying their own conflicting emotions. Elders who had seen many seasons come and go 
leaned on their canes, their age, worn eyes reflective, perhaps drawing parallels to past events or simply lost in contemplation. Young couples, often lost in their world, today found themselves joined in the collective anticipation, hands tightly interwoven as they waited. Children, always curious, tried to tiptoe over the crowds, their innocence making them oblivious to the gravity of the situation, but keen to not miss out. Every so often, a bird would take flight, its wings momentarily breaking the stillness, drawing collective gazes upwards before they returned to the prison door. There was no clock tower chiming, no town crier announcing, but the air was charged and the very energy seemed to hum with a blend of curiosity, judgment, and hope. It wasn't just another day in Boston. It was a day that would be etched in its history, forever intertwined with the scarlet hue of sin and redemption. The prison, an imposing edifice of stone and foreboding, held within its walls stories of countless souls, each with their own tale of woe and despair. The heavy wooden door, darkened by years and weathered by time, opened a shaft of the morning light, streamed in. It was Hester Prynne, her presence seemed almost surreal, as if she had emerged from the pages of a tragic novel, her gaze both fierce and melancholy, surveyed the scene before her, not faltering even for a moment. Each step she took was measured, deliberate, echoing softly across the cobblestones of the town square. Her demeanor was one of quiet strength, a stoic acceptance of her fate. Yet a hint of rebellion lingered in her eyes. The weight of the world, it seemed, rested on her shoulders but she bore it with a grace that left many in awe. In contrast to the grey walls that had confined her, Hester's attire was simple, yet dignified, but it wasn't her dress, nor her stride, nor even her expression that captured the attention of all. It was the anticipation of what lay beneath the shawl. She clutched close to her heart. The world outside the prison was both familiar and foreign to Hester, for she knew that stepping out meant stepping into a life forever changed. Yet, amidst the sea of onlookers, her resolve remained unbroken. This moment marked the beginning of a journey, one not just of physical distance, but of soul. Searching introspection in the very heart of 17th century Boston, against the austere backdrop, grey and brown Puritan attire Hester Prynne's scarlet letter gleamed almost unnaturally bright, a symbol meant to represent her indiscretions. It was meticulously embroidered with gold, an 
intricate work of art. Yet, for all its beauty, the letter A stood for adulteress. A tag she was to wear for her perceived sin. It wasn't just a letter, but a beacon of her isolation. A testament to her enduring strength. Every stitch on that letter was testament to Hester's own resilience, her defiance against a judgmental society in a society where conformity was often the norm. This glaring red, a challenged the townspeople's ideals and made them question their own sense of morality. Amidst the rustling of bonnets and the shifting of boots, murmurs spread through the crowd. Each whisper carried a judgment, an opinion, a thought on the woman before them. There were those whose eyes gleamed with sympathy, yet others bore expressions of stern reproach. Their lips taut with disapproval, as if Hester's scarlet air was an affront to their very being. Children, not fully grasping the gravity of the moment, gazed with wide-eyed curiosity, their fingers pointing unabashedly. Young women whispered behind hands, some envious of Hester's beauty. Even in her shame, others fearful of a similar fate befalling them, the elderly, with their weathered faces, oscillated between sternness born from strict adherence to societal norms and a softer understanding that came with aid. Men of stature, the town's influential leaders, discussed the implications of this event. On the moral fabric of their society, many veiled their own secrets behind the safety of the crowd, grateful that it wasn't their own lives laid bare for public judgment. Among the many emotions, two sentiments stood out prominently. For every sympathetic nod, there was a scoff. For every compassionate glance, a look of revulsion. Yet Hester, bearing the weight of her scarlet letter and the town's myriad reactions, stood with a grace that belied her circumstances, as if she were absorbing all their sentiments, processing them, and choosing which ones to acknowledge. In that sea of judgments, Hester's resilience became a beacon, challenging the crowd to question their own complexities, sins, and the redemption they sought or offered. With this shadow came Pearl, her radiant daughter, an ever-present reminder of the circumstances that led them to this life. Pearl, unlike other children, wasn't blessed with the frivolities of innocent play and laughter shared amongst peers. Her playground was the outskirts of society, the alleys and the silent lanes where whispers of her mother's sin couldn't reach her ears. Together, mother and daughter, they formed an island amidst a sea of judgment. The town, with its cobblestone streets and wooden shingled houses, seemed like a stay where the drama of morality played out. 
day after day. Yet, while they existed on the margins, they were never truly invisible. In fact, their continued existence, their resilience in the face of such ostracism, made them even more conspicuous. It was as if their marginalized lives became a daily testament to the strength of the human spirit and the innate ability to find hope in the most challenging of circumstances. In her modest wooden cabin, with beams of sunlight seeping through the gaps, her hands worked tirelessly. Linen, wool, and cotton, from garments for the town's borest to attire for celebrations. Hester's creations held a reputation of their own. Interestingly, even those who publicly chastised her couldn't resist the allure of her handiwork. Women of the town would approach her, often under the guise often under the setting sun, their eyes darting, ensuring no watchful eyes were upon them. They would bring requests from altering an old dress to fashioning a new bonnet. Each exchange was quiet, almost reverential. Hester's fingers, though they had felt the weight of society's judgment, moved with a grace that spoke of redemption. The very society that ostracized her was paradoxically draped in her creations. It was an unspoken secret that while her scarlet letter was a mark of her past, her work as a seamstress was the mark of her identity. Yet, with every garment she sewed, with every satisfied customer, she did not seek validation. Instead, she found solace, purpose, and quiet rebellion in each stitch, asserting her worth in a world that tried to diminish it. Hester Prynne's sin was a glaring beacon to all. And yet, in a paradoxical twist, it also cast a light on the hypocrisy of society itself. Pearl, Hester's daughter, was not spared either, often described as elfish or even demonic. She was a child whose very existence was a testament to her mother's crime. Yet, in her wildness and unbridled spirit, there was an allure. Children, while cautioned against playing with her, would often find themselves entranced by her games, her tales, and her infectious laughter, even as they drew near, the prejudices instilled in them by their elders would sometimes emerge, leading to cruel jests and mockery. But, like her mother, Pearl's presence was undeniable, a spirit too vibrant to be entirely dimmed by the town's prejudice the dichotomy between covert admiration and open scorn reveals much about human nature. It reminds us that beneath layers of judgment, there often lies a yearning for that which we openly condemn, a testament to the complex tapestry of emotions and contradictions that make up the human experience. Within the tapestry of 17th century Boston, Roger Chillingworth strides 
into town, his demeanor as mysterious as the shadows that dance across the cobblestones. With every step, whispers spread among the townsfolk, their curiosity piqued by this newcomer. In quiet corners and dimly lit alleys, murmurs reveal his true identity. He is none other than Hester Prince, estranged husband, long thought lost to the world, perhaps swallowed by the vast sea or claimed by some distant land. The realization of Hester's plight, the vivid a she wears, the murmurs she endures, the isolation she faces, ignites a spark in Chillingworth, but it is not a spark of joy or longing, it's a spark of vengeance, a fiery determination to seek out the man responsible for his wife's public shaming, that scarlet letter, a symbol of sin and shame, becomes the compass guiding Chillingworth's every move, while many see it as Hester's burden. For Chillingworth, it's a beacon pointing him towards the unnamed father of Pearl, the architect of his own heartbreak. His every waking moment is consumed by this quest. His nights filled with schemes and plots to uncover the truth. It promises retribution, a chance to balance the scales of justice in a world where sins, both seen and unseen, shape the destiny of its inhabitants. Reverend Arthur Dimsdale stands as, as a beacon of spiritual guidance in the heart of 17th century Puritan Boston. In every sermon, his eloquence and charisma draw people closer to faith, making him an inspiration to many. Yet, beneath the facade of a revered spiritual leader lies a tempest of emotions, a storm that threatens to consume him from within, the weight of an undisclosed sin, like an anchor, pulls at Dimsdale's conscience with every step he takes, night after night, he's haunted by dreams that serve as a relentless reminder of his transgressions. His face, once full of youthful vigor, now bears the marks of sleepless nights and countless hours spent in prayer, seeking absolution despite being surrounded by a community that deeply respects him. A gnawing loneliness engulfs Dimsdale. His heart yearns for a respite, a moment when he can be free from the shackles of his own guilt. The more he tries to move away from his past, the more it claws back, reminding him of the role he played in Hester Prynne's plight. At first, Chillingworth appears as a godsend, becoming Dimsdale's personal physician, supposedly aiming to restore the Reverend to health. However, as time progresses, the two form a bond, not of friendship, but one born out of Chillingworth's ulterior motives. 
Chillingworth's presence becomes almost suffocating. His shadow looming large over Dimsdale, deepening the Reverend's torment. Unbeknownst to Dimsdale, Chillingworth harbors a burning desire for revenge, making every interaction between them a dangerous game of cat and mouse. Each day, the walls seem to close in on Dimsdale. As the boundaries between friend and foe blur, intensifying his inner struggle, one could only wonder how long before this tormented soul finds relief. Would Dimsdale ever find the strength to confront his past and unveil the truth? Or would the relentless pursuit by Chillingworth push him further into the abyss of despair? The tale unfolds as these two lives intertwine, setting the stage for a revelation that would shake the very foundations of the Puritan community. Election day in 17th century Puritan Boston was not just any day. It was a day when the town would gather, casting votes and making decisions that would shape their community. The town square would usually buzz with excitement. But this particular election day had an added weight, an unspoken tension that was almost palpable. At the center of it all was Reverend Arthur Dimsdale. This was a man who, for years, had been the beacon of spiritual guidance and wisdom for the town. Yet, today, he carried with him a secret, one that was threatening to burst forth from his very soul. Ascending the scaffold, the same ominous platform where Hester Prynne had once stood, bearing her scarlet letter, Dimsdale, took a moment to gather himself. The crowd waited in bated breath, expecting a sermon that would elevate their spirits. But what they got was something altogether unexpected, with a fervor and a rawness that shocked many. Dimsdale revealed the burden he had been carrying. He confessed his role in Hester's plight, proclaiming himself as the unnamed father of Pearl. The town square, which moments before had been filled with whispers and murmurs, now echoed with a stunned silence. Many felt a mix of shock, betrayal, as the weight of his confession bore down upon him. Dimsdale's strength seemed to wane. He felt both the crushing weight of his guilt and the liberating sensation of truth. In his final moments, Hester rushed to his side. There, past, present, and future converging in that one instance. Their fingers intertwined, symbolic of the shared journey they had endured, the pain they had faced, and the redemption they sought together in the face of judgment. In adversity, they found a moment of shared liberation a fleeting moment that encapsulated the complexities of sin and the overwhelming desire for redemption. The Catholic Church in the 17th century was not just a spiritual institution, 
but also wielded significant socio-political power. In many ways, its influence permeated every facet of daily life, dictating not just moral standards, but also the punitive measures for those who deviated. The church, back then, was seen as the ultimate moral authority, holding sway over the masses with its teachings and interpretations of the Bible. Hester Prynne's punishment, the wearing of the scarlet letter, can be viewed in the context of the church's stronghold over societal norm. It was a world where sins, especially those of a sexual nature, were not just frowned upon but were met with public shaming and ostracization. The church's involvement in meeting out punishments was largely because it was believed that sins affected not just the individual, but the collective soul of the community in ensuring that Hester wore her a openly. The church reinforced its role in safeguarding societal morality, yet it's crucial to understand that such measures often blurred the lines between genuine spiritual guidance and exerting control. The Scarlet Letter becomes more than just Hester's story. It becomes a mirror reflecting the broader society's struggles with sin, shame and redemption under the watchful eyes of the church. The church's role in determining and enforcing punishment was not just about upholding God's word, but also about maintaining its dominant position in society. For many, the church's decisions were indisputable. However, as we reflect on the Scarlet Letter, we are reminded that societal norms evolve, and what was once deemed punishable can be viewed through a more compassionate and understanding lens. In modern times, it challenges us to question the balance between adhering to established moral codes and recognizing the inherent complexities of the human condition. By understanding the church's role in Hester's punishment, we gain insight into the intricate web of belief, power, and morality that shaped 17th century Puritan Boston. The Scarlet Letter is not just a story Within its pages, Nathaniel Hawthorne dissects the consequences of a single sin and the ripples it creates through a community. Pain is an omnipresent theme. From the very outset, Hester's scarlet emblem becomes a symbol of her suffering a relentless reminder of a past mistake. Yet, it's not just the pain of one woman. The entire community suffers in different ways. Each person, knowingly or unknowingly, reflects a facet of the anguish, a reflex a facet of the anguish originating from the seed of sin. Judgment is another heavy theme that permeates the narrative. The Puritan society, with its strict moral code, is quick to label and condemn, making Hester an outcast, an object of scorn and shame. However, it's essential to recognize that judgment isn't solely external. 
Internally, characters grapple with their self-inflicted verdicts. Dimsdale, especially, is tormented by his conscience. A personal tribunal, redemption, is the shimmering thread that ties this narrative together. It is the light at the end of a dark tunnel, suggesting that healing and forgiveness are always within reach. Hester's path to redemption is one of resilience. Through her unwavering love for Pearl and her dedication to her work, she redeems herself. Dimsdale, on the other hand, seeks absolution in truth. His public confession, though it costs him his life, brings him the peace he so desperately craved. The story serves as a reminder that while pain and judgment are often self-imposed, redemption is a choice, a journey of introspection, acknowledgement and transformation. It underlines the idea that no matter the weight of our past, the future holds the potential for renewal and atonement. The religious institution wielded immense power during the era depicted not just as a spiritual guide, but also as a societal moral compass. Every decision, every step, and every judgment were tinted with the shades of religious doctrines. The scarlet letter she bore was as much a reflection of societal norms as it was of the church's stance on sin. Yet, when we pause and reflect, we realize that these external judgments often conflict with the innate human understanding of right and wrong. While the church may have served as a dominant force, the characters in our tale grapple with their internal compass. Hester, for all the humiliation she endures, remains steadfast, embracing her identity and her child, dims the journey towards understanding oneself, seeking redemption and acknowledging mistakes is deeply personal. And while society, influenced by religious or any other doctrines, might impose its judgments, the path to redemption is treaded by the individual alone. It's a reminder that, even in the face of overarching external forces, the individual spirit can, and often does, rise above, charting its own course based on internal beliefs and values. For in the end, the complexity of our emotions, our sins, and our paths to redemption are uniquely ours to navigate and understand. Allow your mind to wander back to 17th century Puritan. The air is crisp, punctuated with the faint scent of wood and sea. Picture a town square where cobblestones pave the way for residents and visitors alike. Imagine the muted sounds of wooden wheels of carriages, the distant laughter of children play, and the quiet conversations of townsfolk trading the latest news. On the horizon, the dark silhouette of a church stands tall, 
casting long shadows over the square, a symbol of faith and authority in this devout community. Feel the textures, the roughness of hand-sewn fabrics, the coolness of metal clasps, and the gentle warmth of sunlight filtering through the gaps in buildings. In the distance, there's the rhythmic sound of waves crashing against the shore, a reminder of Boston's maritime roots and the vast Atlantic that connects this new world to distant lands. Notice the varying hues of browns and greys, the colors of wood and stone which form the primary palette of this colonial era, punctuated only by the vivid scarlet of a single letter. Envelop yourself in this environment, taking in the details, feeling the emotions, and being present in a world so different yet intimately connected to our own. Begin by finding a comfortable position, whether lying down or seated. Allow the weight of your body to sink into the surface beneath you. Let the darkness envelop you, akin to the shadows that once embraced Hester. Breathe in deeply. drawing in the strength and resilience that Hester demonstrated throughout her journey. Hold it for a moment, cherishing the purity of the breath, just as Pearl was the beacon of innocence amidst prejudice. Exhale slowly letting out the weight of judgment and societal expectations, a release similar to Dimsdale's liberating confession. Inhale again, this time channeling the passion and fervor of the community their beliefs, their convictions. Pause, acknowledging the complexities of our own beliefs and actions. Breathe out, surrendering any guilt or regret, just as the Reverend did on that fateful election day. With each inhalation, absorb the lessons from our tale, the strength in redemption, the understanding of one's own action. And with every exhalation, let go of any shackles binding your mind or spirit freeing yourself from past mistakes and judgments. Remember that each breath is a testament to your journey filled with its own complexities and paths to redemption. Embrace this rhythm of breathing and let it guide you into a serene realm of introspection. Each night as the stars awaken and the world turns quiet, it's our chance to let go of the day's burdens. Our minds so often cluttered with thoughts, judgments, and memories 
yearn for a moment of stillness. In the tale of Hester Prynne, we see the weight of judgment bearing down, not just from society, but from within. Every one of us carries our own scarlet letters, invisible to the world, yet deeply felt in the heart. But let your worries fall away, withing behind a heart light and free. The tale of Hester teaches us that redemption is not found in the eyes of others, but in the embrace of our own. Allow this understanding to wrap around you like a comforting blanket, providing warmth and security. With each breath, feel a layer of judgment peel away, replaced by a feeling of compassion for oneself. Let the complexities of life, the rights, simply be without the need to dissect or analyze. For tonight, permit yourself the gift of peace, free from judgment, free from burdens. May you drift into a sleep as serene as a calm sea and wake rejuvenated, ready to write a new chapter in your own story. Good night dear Voyager. See you in the next episode.